Now, there's some days that that's all that gets me through, and it may be all that gets you through, just to know that you know that you know that you know that this life is not all there is, that this is not everything that this life is going to end up being, because if we will get with Him and we will stand to Him as close as humanly possible, that He says one day He is going to come back and get us again, and that wherever He is, we're going to get to be with Him forever. Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week, we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. Well, in case you didn't guess... We're still working on our series that I started last week, Brace for Impact. And um, just talking about how the Lord wants us to make a difference in our world. We're here to make an impact. And uh, if you remember last week, I used the illustration. I got Doug Kitchens over here, and I got over here. And we ran full blast at one another. Met somewhere right here in the middle. And if you weren't here, you believe that, right? So... Um, <laughs> we lined up, and uh, I stopped it before it happened because that would have been ugly in, in many, many ways. Um, but the point was made that if had Doug and I ran full blast at one another, there would have been a big impact, amen, and probably two people laid out on the floor. I do appreciate Doug. He went with it. He, he said he was praying all the time, Lord, please don't let this happen. And uh, he he took his glasses off. I don't know if y'all noticed it if you were here. He took his glasses off and everything. And uh, I mean, I had you guys start counting down. And and I mean, y'all were y'all y'all were going for it. Y'all are y'all. I bet y'all like NASCAR, don't you? <laughs> I bet you like to watch the wrecks. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> we started working on this series. It's really what I had planned to do at the first of the year. And. The Lord kind of intervened there, and I spent three weeks talking about what's next on God's calendar, and that is the second coming, and that we need to be ready for it, and we need to get people ready for it. But along those lines of making an impact, I talked about last week, um, and most of you will connect with this, if you ever played Pong. And on this side of the screen, we're just it was three walls, and you had the paddle that was here in the middle, and the ball bouncing around, and the, you hit it with the paddle, and you come back. Well, the ball represents us. And this wall on this side, at the very least, represents life. And so here we were, just heading through life, and we ran right smack dab into it. How many of you, life has hit you right between the eyes? Uh, how many more than once? Uh, yeah. And so here we were, we, we ran into life, and I mean smack dab in the middle of it, and we, did, we rebounded off of that because there is, according to physics, an equal and opposite reaction to any action. Okay, so we hit, hit life and we just bounce off and here we are headed into hell for eternity. Nothing there to stop us, nothing for us to grab onto, nothing for us to get our equilibrium. Just here we are, really not much control. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here comes the Lord. And puts us back in the game. Puts us back into life. And, of course, if you've played Pong and you were very good at it, you know that game can go on for a long time. So we're going to intersect the Lord many, many times in our life, or better yet, he's going to intersect our life many, many times. Always for the good. It's for his, our good and his glory. Everything he does for our good and his glory. Amen? 
So always remember that. If you don't remember anything else that this preacher ever said in your life, remember that everything God does is for our good and his glory. And so in the meantime, in real life, there are more than one, one ball, one pong on the table. And so as we rebound off of Christ, we are called to intersect other people's lives. And we are called to make a difference, make an impact in their lives and change their direction. So we've been looking at this for, uh, this will be the second week, our scriptures that we're looking at, Matthew chapter 5, first of all. She's going to have it on the screen for you. You're the salt of the earth. That is a hopeful statement. It is a future tense, present tense statement. You are, not you will be, even though if we are, we will be. But it's a present tense statement. You are the salt of the earth. How many of you feel like the salt of the earth right now? Maybe, it's, maybe this was a bad week for you. Maybe, maybe you ran into somebody and the impact was as ugly as it would have been for me and Doug. Amen? Don't leave me now. Don't stick me out on a limb because I know you've, you impacted somebody this week. Some of you did. And it wasn't pretty. Amen? But he says you are the salt of the earth. We may not feel like it. We may not always. I've said this forever. The, the Lord says, I'll be with you always, even until the end of this world. So how many of you, the world was still out there whenever you walked in. So what does that guarantee us of? His presence. You may be sitting here today and you may not feel that presence, but that doesn't change a thing about what you feel. He says, I'll be with you always. He says, here, you are the salt of the earth. That's whether you feel like it or not, you're the salt of the earth. The thing that we need to do is put our belief and our behavior together. Therefore, I am the salt of the earth, and you are as well. So you're the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? If you put salt on your meal and it doesn't change anything, why put it on there? Can you make it salty again? He says it'll be thrown out, trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world. Again, a, a, a hopeful statement that's present tense. You are the light of the world. You may feel like you're down to a flickering little, just a little ember of light. But you know what? You're still the light of the world. A whole lot more light in you than there is in the darkness in this world. And he says you're the light of the world like a city uh, on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. No, I'm going to let it shine. Amen? <laughs> Some of you that were in children's church as kids, you know what I'm talking about. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father again for our good, for his glory. Amen? The other scripture that we've been looking at is, is Matthew chapter 9, verse 15. Oh, it's already up there. I was waiting for it to change. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news, the gospel, the good news. What is the good news? Jesus saves. Jesus heals, Jesus delivers, Jesus can give us wisdom, Jesus can give us hope. See, it's different things to different people. 
according to where you're at and what you're going through, what the gospel, the good news, really means. So it says he goes and announces uh, the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He patted them on the back and said, There, there, you poor thing. God love you. God bless their heart. Amen? In, in pure southern style. God bless, God bless their little hearts. That's, that's sympathy. Empathy is when you feel what they're going through. And that's what compassion is. Compassion is feeling it right here instead of just thinking it right here. He had compassion on them. He felt it because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. True statement in church world, 10% of the people do 100% of the work. I didn't even get a single amen on that. <laughs> Ten percent of the people do a hundred percent of the work. Amen. So be the ten percent. So he says, "What is the answer to that? Pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask Him to send more workers. Lord, make it more than ten percent of the people that are doing something. So may the Lord add His blessing to the reading and ministry of His Word this morning. We've already prayed, but let's get into it this morning." So how are we going to make an impact? How are we going to make a difference in our world? In this, in this last scripture that we read, Matthew chapter 9, there's just a few things that we can look at. And last week I got to the first point and then the Lord kind of took it in a different direction. And the whole sermon, if you could have seen my notes, you'd have said, how on earth did he end up there? But it ended up real good. Amen. Thanks to him. But. The first thing that we've got to do is we've got to see as he sees. It says that he looked out on the people, and, and, and that meant that he saw them. He didn't just look at them. He didn't look over them. He didn't look around them. He didn't like go, wow, this is a big crowd, and yeah, some of you are hurting, and some of you got some stuff going on. Now I've got to go. I've got other places to be, things to do, people to see. No, he looked at them. And he looked in their eyes, and have you, ever, have you ever just been with somebody and you looked in their eyes, and regardless of what they were saying, you could see what was going on with them. They might have come into church with a smile on their face and, Hi, brother, how are you? But when you saw, you knew that they had a broken heart. You knew that their spirit had been wounded. You knew something was going on with him. I, I've said this for a long time, folks. We come into church, and we put on these plastic smiles, and, and, and we come in, and how are things? Oh, it's just fine. Too blessed to be stressed. And really, on the inside, we're dying. There have been times when I have wanted to come into church and say, my heart got broke this week. I mean, I... There's been times, just putting it all out there, putting it on the table. There's been times when if I did what I wanted to do, I would have got up here after, after Zach or whoever got through leading the worship that I'd have got in here and said, thank y'all for coming. Appreciate it. I got nothing. Amen? But that's not the way it works. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you something. Sometimes you have to work off of the overflow of the word in your life. 
there's sometimes when you are obedient to the point when, when you don't really have anything to say that you go back to what this word has said to you and you stand on the promises. Sometimes that word is the only thing that can get you through. Sometimes just looking at what it says and, and, and you may not feel it this very minute, but Jesus made me a promise that if I will make it to the finish line and get across it, that one day I'm going to get a crown from him. And whenever I get that crown, and it's going to be a big one to fit on this noggin, whenever I get that crown, I might put it on for just a second and see how it looks, but then I'm going to throw it at his feet. And I'm going to worship forever. Now, there's some days that that's all that gets me through, and it may be all that gets you through, just to know that you know that you know that you know that this life is not all there is, that this is not everything that this life is going to end up being, because if we will get with him and we will stand to him as close as humanly possible, that he says one day he is going to come back and get us again, and that wherever he is, we're going to get to be with him forever. Somebody better say amen. Woo! I hope you're feeling what I'm feeling this morning. Again, not in my notes. (laughs) But here's the deal. In order to make that impact, we've got to see like he sees. And he looked at this crowd, and he didn't didn't just look over them. And sometimes, folks, when we get into this world, especially, especially in the day and the time in which we live, it's easy to look at somebody and look over them. Because they don't look just like you look. And they don't act just like you act. In fact, is they act totally opposite of of the way you act. And it's awfully easy to see them as something bad or something evil. And see, here's the thing. Uh, I was reminded of this this week. Uh, How many of you have to wear prescriptions, lenses of some sort? Glasses, contacts, all that kind of stuff. Okay? Why? Because we live on a broken planet. Amen. Everything's not perfect here. When I get to heaven, my vision will be 2020 or better. Okay? Right now, my vision is actually, it's toward the, the far-sided part. And I'm beginning to have more and more trouble. It has nothing to do with my 53rd birthday, mind you. But I'm having a lot more trouble reading up close. So I opted, that I decided it's been several years since I had a, a eye exam and I went to get my eyes examined and it always reminds me every time there was a one time whenever the Lord really spoke to me through that and see everything that can happen to our vision how we see in this life also applies to the spiritual life because see here's the thing most of you probably suffer from myopia how many of you nearsighted a few that's myopia And what that is, you can see things up close really, really good, but you can't see anything further away. And so in the spiritual realm, what that applies to, that's myopia. Because we're seeing everything up close really clear, and that's mine. That belongs to me. Now, I I worked hard for that. I'm not going to give any of that away. I'm not going to be generous with that because it's myopia. Amen? And then, of course, we got hyperopia which is what I suffer from, this farsightedness. I can see my, my vision is more than 20, whatever. I don't know how you say that, 
I don't know if it's higher number or lower number, but my, my vision farsightedness has always been way above the normal. I mean, I can see leaves on trees all the way across there at those railroad tracks across college. I just can't read up close. <laughs> and so that's called hyperopia. And that applies to our life here, our spiritual life, I mean, in, in the fact that sometimes we can, we can see, man, I can see what's going wrong in your life from way back here. It's also called hypercritical. <laughs> Amen? And that's not a spiritual gift. <laughs> Amen? Jesus said, you can, you can see a telephone pole in your brother's eye, and you got a little, you know, I mean, you can see a speck in his eye, and you got a telephone pole sticking out of yours, and you can't see it. Why? Because we're hypercritical. We're hyperopia. I, man, I can see all the way from way over here what, everything you're doing wrong. But it's not me. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. That's what we need to begin to look at there. We need to get over the hypercritical, the hyperopia. And then there's, man, I dread this. Presbyopia. Anybody know what presbyopia means? It's where we get our modern day word presbyter in the church. The reason the Presbyterian church is named Presbyterian because they believe in presbyters. What does that mean? means they got elders. What does it mean when you're an elder? It means you're over 50 for sure. Gosh, I hate start getting those AARP things in the mail. It just makes me so mad. If I knew an address to send them back where they'd get them at home, I'd send them. I mean, it's just a constant reminder. Those things come in the mail. We want you to join. Why? Because you're old. But presbyopia is what it means, what it says, old eyes. That's the reason I'm having to get some, some little lines in my glasses so that I can read up close and I can still see good far away as well. Why? Because my eyes have gotten tired. They've got old. And they don't change as good as they once did. Used to, I could look at something up close and then I could look way far away and then I could look up close and then I could look far away. I can still do that. I can still look up close and look far away. It just doesn't focus. Amen? Why? Because you got presbyopia. It means you got old eyes. It means you've gotten to where you can't focus as well as you once did. And that's, see, it all comes into this. I've shared this with you before. One time I went into Lifeway and I bought something and paid cash for it. And the guy's going to give me back, it was like three or four pennies. And I told him, I said, just keep the pennies. I don't want them. And he said, you must be Baptist. And I said, well, no, not really, but why would you say that? And he said, because you don't like change. <laughs> Ow! I said, hey, brother, you do know you're working at a Baptist bookstore, don't you? <laughs> but see, here's the deal. The older we get, the more problems we have with change. Thank you, Doug. <laughs> See, we, we like it like it's always been. I've heard people literally say this in church. If it was good enough for Paul and Silas, it was good enough for me. Talking about singing Amazing Grace. Uh, I hate to break it to you, but they didn't sing Amazing Grace because it wasn't written until the mid-1800s. And see, sometimes we get this in our mind. This is the formula. This is the way it's always been. And here's the deal. I want to step over it, not step in it this morning. 
Worship is worship. It doesn't matter what kind of music we're playing. I have many, many times said, and I can, I can worship that Mary had a little lamb. Why? Because Mary had a little lamb. And his fleece was white as snow. Amen? And so, I can, see, I can take anything. I can, I can, you name me a song, and I can turn it into a worship song. I hear a song on the radio, and I can turn it into a worship song for the Lord. It doesn't matter what we're playing. It doesn't matter what style of music. It's about this right here. Can I make the Lord the center of that? Worship, really, the, the greatest formula there's ever been about worship is start out singing about him and end up singing to him. Regardless of what the style is, I've been in this thing, I've been preaching for 27 years this year. In that time, I have, I've, somebody told me when I first started preaching, they said, get you, a, get you a, a ledger and start writing down every time you preach. Now, right now, you're going to remember every time you preach. But eventually you won't. So in that 27 years, I have preached roughly 2,800 sermons. And I'm so glad that God told me that because I can go back to the very first sermon I ever preached. It was out of the book of Philippians. And man, I had enough notes. I thought it was going to be too long. I thought it was going to be 30, 35 minutes. I preached about eight and a half minutes. And my wife is amening me. She's nodding her head. But here's the thing. In that 27 years, it has been a constant worship war. Because we went from singing out of the hymn books to singing choruses, from choruses to the newer choruses, from the newer choruses to the newer songs, and from the newer songs to the newer, newer, newer songs. You know what didn't change? God. And whether we're singing psalms, or singing hymns, or singing the newer, newer, newer songs. It's about him. It's not about me. It's not about my preference. It's not about my thoughts. It's not about... I start out singing about him, and I end up singing to him. We got to get some, get some bifocals on that presbyopia. <laughs> where we can where we can change and, and and make a difference and then there is a stigmatism anybody got an astigmatism oh several of us me included both eyes and the stigmatism simply means that the lens in your eye is not shaped like it ought to be shaped got a high spot on it or a low spot or or it's kind of pulled to one side and that simply means that whenever the light comes in it comes in and, and a lens that's working properly, the light comes in and it comes to a, to a laser focus and then shows on the retina of your eye and your brain interprets that and tells you what you saw. With an astigmatism, it comes in like this and it goes out like that. And so your retina is seeing multiples. My, my right eye, if any of you got astigmatism, you know what I'm talking about, but my right eye is much worse than my left eye. My left eye is passable. My right eye anymore is not. And what it does, especially at night, like if I close my left eye and I'm driving or whatever, there'll be like the, the, the letters on the sign will be kind of superimposed on one another. You can read it, but it's not as clear as you'd like for it to be. 
And so what that means in our spiritual lives is sometimes we, we get all these things going, all this stuff in church world that we can do, and we want to do everything, but what God has called us to do is make an impact. And in order to make an impact, we've got we to gotta get a laser focus. Sometimes we, we, we take the shotgun approach to ministry. I want to help everything out, so I'll just blast away like a shotgun. Make a pattern that big. Little bitty pellets. Buzzy's a gun guy. Little bitty pellets over a, over a pattern that looks like this. But if you take that rifle and everything's the way it should be, what's going to happen? Well, you, you can put that thing on the, on the distance of this parking lot and put them all in a circle that big. That's making an impact. Instead of just trying to do it all, I'm just going to do one thing really, really good. Amen? And see, God has gifted and, and given you talent to do one thing in the church really, really good. Well, I'm not called to ministry. Oh, yes, you are. Everybody is called to ministry. Y'all are getting awfully quiet on that one. Everybody's called to ministry. Well, I'm not a deacon or I'm not one of the elders. I'm not ordained in ministry. Lord, every person in this room is called to ministry, and I give them the authority that you committed to me as a pastor, Lord, that they are able to go and minister in your name. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Uh-oh. That one's not there anymore. So what's your next excuse? We're all called to be ministers, all called to do something for the Lord. So the thing that we've got to do is begin to see things as he sees it. See, sometimes, and this kind of goes into the next one, we've got to feel as he feels. Now, we know that he looked at these people, and he had compassion on them. He, was, he felt it right here. It was in his heart. Really, uh, Paul talks about it this way, talks about his, the, the bowels of compassion. In other words, it right in the pit of your stomach. He looked out there and he saw what they were going through and it almost made him sick. It hurt him so bad. You ever known of a situation or known of somebody that you knew that was going through something and when you heard what they were going through, it's just like, oh my gosh. I just can't believe that that's happening to those people. That's the way Jesus was looking at this crowd. He looked at them and were they perfect? No. Did every one of them have their act together and saying, pick me, Lord, pick me? No. But he looked at them, and, and sometimes our brain gets used against us. Our brain is a powerful tool, one of the most powerful computers, if you want to call it that, that's ever been made, the ability to do awesome things. And one of those acts that our brain can do it's called generalization, the ability to generalize concepts. In other words, it uses everything that you've, you've ever encountered in your life to suddenly uh, come to a conclusion in an instant. If you've ever bought a car and it was a certain brand and it gave you trouble and then you bought another car of that brand and it gave you trouble, what's the generalization? That car is junk. <laughs> that brand is junk. And how many of you like Chevy? 
Oh, three. Woo, Chevy's taking a whooping. How many of you like Ford? Oh, here we go. A few more Ford. How about uh, Toyota? Oh, several more Toyotas. Okay, so here's the deal. You picked that because you had a generalization. That car is going to be better than the other car. And so here's, here's the thing that happens with us. Sometimes what happens is we get burned. A certain type of person does us a certain way. There are sometimes it's, it's, it's about the opposite sex. Sometimes there's people, and I won't ask for a show of hands on this because your significant other might be uh, sitting there. But some of you just think men are pigs. And that tends to be, here's the generalization in our society today, men are pigs. Seen that Gillette commercial? Hey, I'm, I, I mean it. We're coming to these generalized terms. And here's the thing. Sometimes we, sometimes we generalize and, and we see these people that are in need. Well, they just need to get a job. Some of them need to get a job, but probably not all of them. See, anytime you start out a statement with all of them or everybody, because how many of you use that on your mom? Everybody's doing it. Everybody's going to the dance. Everybody's going to the concert. Everybody, oh, yeah, because we're generalizing. And what happens is our brain's ability to generalize makes us form opinions about people before we've ever met them before we've hardly even seen them. And see, Jesus looked at them, and he made that eye contact, and yet he had compassion. Were there people that didn't like Jesus there? Guarantee you. Were there people that were following him with everything they had? Guarantee you. But here's the deal. Sometimes we miss an opportunity to, to minister to people because we've already put them in a, in a cubbyhole. I do it, you do it, we all do it. The thing that we need to do is stop doing that. And like Jesus, look at them, see what they're going through. Yes, there's some people that need to get a job. But there's other people that they don't need just they don't need a handout, they need a hand up. And we are called to do that. We are called to, you know, in this society that we're living in today, everything's about being fair. That's not fair. Well, hey, have you lived life for more than 10 minutes? It ain't fair. I mean, I discovered that when I was about three years old. Life ain't fair. And I I mean, from the most minute detail to the biggest things, life ain't fair. And I'm sorry you didn't get what you think you deserved. But the deal is, you gotta gotta go from there. You can't make that the banner that you wave all your life. I'm like this because... And so what we've got to do as the light of the world and as the salt of the earth is look at that and try to help these people as much as we can. Yes, there's some of them that the best help we could give them is tell them, go get a job. Oh, y'all are getting awfully quiet on me. You're going to leave me stuck out on a limb here. There's other people that we need to say, come on, let me buy you a hamburger. Well, it ain't fair you told the one to get a job and you went and bought a meal for somebody else. It's because I'm seeing them. And as best the Lord can work through me, through discernment of the Holy Spirit, I, 
I mean, there's been some people that have been with me whenever I have stopped and given money to somebody that was on the side of the road begging, and there's been times when I've just drove on by. And I try to let the Lord lead that. Because you don't treat everybody the same. Well, <gasps> that's not fair. You've got to treat everybody the same. No, you don't. And sometimes, especially at the Lord's leading, you do for one what you wish you could do for all. You do for one what you wish you could do for everybody. Because see, here's the thing. There was lots of people sick, and Jesus walked by a bunch of them, but every now and then he would stop. Take up your bed and walk. Go wash your eyes and see. Who touched me? In that big crowd of people. You reckon she was the only one that was sick in that big mob of people? Who touched me? It was me. <laughs> Go your way. Your faith has made you whole. See, the Lord, by today's standards, is not fair. Because of all the people that have been lost and died and went to hell, why would he pick me? Why would he pick you? It's not fair. But sometimes the Lord does for one what he wishes everybody could do. And he gives everybody the opportunity. It's just the fact that some don't respond. But here's the deal. We got to begin to look at things differently. I'm going to tell you something because I've seen it happen. What they're doing right now in this nation is building up tribalism. The thing that happened last Friday, Friday before last, with those kids that went and walked in the March of Life, March for Life. Do you realize that that was one of the biggest gatherings that's happened in the last year in Washington, D.C., and the mass media absolutely ignored it? Over 325,000 people, if my figures were right what I heard, marched in that thing, and it wasn't even a blip on the radar until that guy walked up in the middle of them 15-year-old kids trying to provoke them to do something. I told Angie, I mean, you, you got to know your limitations. I told her, I said, it's a good thing that guy didn't walk up on me when I was 15. Hmm. Probably a good thing you didn't walk up on me at 50, but I'm just saying. <laughs> at a 15, it would have really been bad. It would have been an impact, Doug. It would have been an impact. But here's the thing. It's tribalism. And they're trying to get us to divide ourselves among ourselves because of little bitty things that we don't agree with. And here's the thing that's not being taught or, or preached or anything else in this day and time in which we live. Just because I might disagree with some aspect of what your belief system is does not mean I hate you. That's worth a hand clap. We talked about it a little bit Wednesday night. I'm, I'm a preacher. You got, you got, to, you got to realize that. I, I believe this Bible. I, I believe it not only, I mean, cover to cover. I even believe the index and the maps. That's how much of a believer I am. So when you come to me with some issue that's pertinent to today's society, I'm going to speak to it from this. Don't get mad at me because I'm not mad at you when I tell you what it says. 
But the thing that's, that society is building, well, that's not fair. You're narrow-minded. You're legalistic. You're all these kinds of things. And all it's doing is dividing people instead of bringing them together. And Jesus didn't look at that crowd and, and, and see them. And uh, before I have compassion, how many of you believe I'm the Son of God? Okay, y'all come over here. And how many of you believe I'm not? Y'all stand over here because the earth picked open up and swallow you. That's not the, there wasn't any context to it. He looked out and he saw them and he had compassion. Why? Because they were lost. Because they were wandering around like sheep without a shepherd, not knowing what to do, not knowing what kind of decision to make, not, not knowing exactly even right from wrong. And the thing that we've got to do is, is to our very best ability, see like he sees, feel like he feels, and... She says, time to land the plane. <laughs> She's a really good timekeeper. She's been doing that for 27 years as well. Well, maybe next week we'll finish up this message. Now, I've got a couple more, but we won't, we won't belabor it too much. But the next one, we've got to pray like he prays. We'll talk about that next week. Because he didn't, he he prayed a prayer that was so much different than what we think it might be. And we got to start seeing as he sees, feeling as he feels, instead of seeing like we see and wanting to feel like we feel. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you for working in us and through us and around us. Thank you. for seeing us for who we were. Lord, like I said earlier, it's it's not that I deserved it. Lord, what I deserved because of the sin in my life was to leave this life and go to hell for eternity. But for some reason, you looked at me and you had compassion on me. You said, I don't want that for you. Turn around and come this way. Lord, thank you that I had ears to hear. You say that continually and and over and over and over again in the Word. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says. So, Lord, if there's anybody here this morning that doesn't know you, that hasn't made that commitment to you, that hasn't taken care of their business with you, Lord, I pray that you would give them ears to hear today. And, Lord, we're all the same when we come to the cross. We might not have all done the same things, but, Lord, we're all just sinners in need of a Savior. So if you're here this morning, and maybe you say, there's something I need to take care of right now, right here. I need to make it right with God. Maybe you did a long time ago. Maybe you walked away from that. And you just want to renew it. Or maybe you've never done that for even the very first time. But today you're saying, I want to make it right with God. I don't deserve it. I, I didn't even really. It's, it's almost like he snuck up and hugged me in the dark. I wasn't even expecting but I want to respond to his love. I want to respond to how he's seen me and feels about me. So if that's you and you want to pray a prayer, I'm not going to embarrass you, not going to call you up front, not going to call your name. That's not what you have to do. Just says simply, if we'll pray, ask the Lord in our hearts that we'll be saved. So if that's you and you want to make things right with the Lord today, would you just slip your hand up so I'll know who I'm praying with?